Welcome, and thank you for joining us on our latest installment of Women at Ropes Talk, a podcast series brought to you by the Women's Forum at Ropes and Gray. In this podcast, we spotlight extraordinary women who've had successful careers and interesting lives and are also making a positive impact in their workplaces and in their communities. We feature women attorneys at Ropes and Gray in conversation with prominent women clients, industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and others about their careers and what's led to their successes, the challenges they've faced, and the hard-earned wisdom they've acquired. I'm Megan Baca, a partner at Ropes and Gray, with a practice focusing on intellectual property and technology transactions, and I'm also co-head of the firm's Digital Health Initiative. I'm based in Silicon Valley. On this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by my colleague, Georgina Suzuki, who's also based in Silicon Valley. Hi, Georgina. Thank you so much for joining us. So let's get started. Um, first, why don't you introduce yourself and give us an overview of your practice? Sure thing, and happy to chat. My name is Georgina Suzuki, and I'm an attorney in our strategic um, IP transactions group in Silicon Valley. Uh, my practice group includes a variety of technology licensing matters, such as collaboration deals, mergers and acquisitions, supply and distribution agreements, and joint ventures. So who's the special guest you'll be interviewing on this episode today? I'm really excited to have Christina Carlson here today. She is the general counsel of HiBio, which is a biotechnology company here in Silicon Valley focused on discovering and developing precision medicines for autoimmune and inflammatory diseases. Prior to joining as general counsel at HiBio, she led the corporate development team at Gilead Sciences, including during the recent COVID pandemic. Christina is a leader in the biotechnology space here in the San Francisco Bay Area, and we're excited to have her here today. So tell me a little bit about your relationship with Christina. How do you know her and how have you worked together in the past? I've had the opportunity to work as external counsel with Christina while she was at Gilead Sciences. I worked on licensing and collaboration deals with her, including a $2.3 billion deal between Gilead and Neurix in the cancer therapy space. Since then, she ended up bringing me internally to Gilead Sciences as a secondi, and I had a chance to work directly with Christina while serving in as a comment role at Gilead Sciences. So having worked with Christina and now interviewing her, what's most noteworthy to you about Christina and her career? Yeah, I would say Christina is a very accomplished legal professional in the biotechnology space. The fact that she went from running a large legal development team especially in deals like licensing and collaborations and M&A at a large pharmaceutical company, and then jumped to do a very different role at a smaller biotech company, being the GC. That takes an incredible amount of skill um, and flexibility in order to develop your career you know, in such a fashion. But besides being an accomplished professional, I think on a day-to-day basis, she, she's incredible to watch when she works. When I was at Gilead in-house, I was impressed how she's able to navigate many of the issues which are challenging for women. Many women find that if they're too aggressive, people view them negatively, and if they're too passive, they're not viewed as leaders. But that was never an issue for Christina. She's able to command a room, direct people, steer people in the correct direction, while still maintaining 
um, positive relationships, for example, by smiling and laughing with people, and people love her. So I think that really encapsulates uh, the great work that Christina does. Oh, that's fantastic. So why don't I turn it over to you and Christina for your interview? Sounds good. Hi, Christina. Welcome to our podcast today. We're so happy to have you. Hey, Georgina. Happy to be here. So you're currently the GC of High Bio. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do there as general counsel? Absolutely. So um, I joined Human Immunology Biosciences. We go by High Bio back in April. So I've only been there for a few months. I joined there as general counsel. The company is now you know, about 30 employees strong. I am the only lawyer in-house. Um, but I basically oversee the entire legal function. So that means having opinions about matters involving IP, employment, employment policies, um, how to engage with our board, how to maintain our corporate governance structure, as well as um, being really involved in all of our contracting contracting policies and process and involved in other strategic collaborations. And those strategic collaborations and contracting, that's sort of my bread and butter. That's where I've had the most experience and training. So really comfortable there. Really more about being a bit of a generalist at this point. Got it. So other than shifting from a specialist role to a more generalist role, what has the transition been like moving from a large pharma company to a recently launched biotech? Well, it's a lot different. Um, I came from a decently sized window office at Gilead with lots of expertise at my fingertips in-house to, you know, a room about, I don't know, maybe it's 10 by 20 with about four rows of desks. You kind of walk in in the morning and hope there's space for you. So just the physical environment has been a lot different. It's just really open space and it's uh, first come, first serve in the office in terms of having a desk and monitor to sit at. Um, And so, you know, just getting your work done in that type of environment is a little bit shocking at first, but um, I've come to really, I can't say I enjoy it, but um, I've definitely gotten used to it and I can be productive in that environment. Um, in addition, you know, being a generalist, I sit on the leadership team at HiBio. So having a broader focus across the company as a whole allows me just to have more strategic insights into sort of the next steps, what's needed generally, um, plans for the future across all different types of subjects, like what are the therapeutic areas of interest for a particular product? What is our budget? What are the budgetary impacts? What should our future hiring look like? What should our fundraising plan look like? So a lot of, you know, very strategic types of issues and questions that I get to be involved in versus um, being at Gilead, overseeing corporate legal there was a, a huge job and, you know, fairly broad in and of itself. Um, but it was very, you know, uh, focused on just corporate legal matters. And so the broader company matters um, was not something in my purview, um, given just the size and scope of Gilead versus the size and scope of HiBio. 
That's really interesting. And what is keeping you up at night these days with all the issues you're dealing with at HiBio? Honestly, I think the things that keep me up are more personal in nature, right? So I have kids that have just started school and middle school to be more precise, which I think might be the worst time in almost everybody's life. Um, and so I feel like I am reliving it with them. And um, somehow in a way, it feels like almost worse reliving it with them than going through it myself. So I'm, I do tend to worry a bit about how things are going and do they, hopefully they're getting along with their friends. And if they're stressed about an assignment, I feel that stress and I'm stressed about that assignment. So I tend to get very um, nervous and anxious sometimes about my kids and what's going on in their lives. Um, And then I would say second to that, I tend to get a bit nervous about, and I don't want to get too political on this podcast, but just some of the toxic politics that are going on and overturning of Roe v. Wade and healthcare options for women and what that means for women, not only in the workforce, but just culturally, generally, and how they're seen and in our country. Um, And that tends to kind of get me a bit worked up sometimes. Uh, And then when it comes to sort of our industry and my work in particular, I have to say that it's taken a while um, and it's taken having learned to um, develop a bit of perspective on things. But, you know, work generally doesn't tend to keep me up too much at night unless it's just volume of work (laughs) that's keeping me up. Um, The general industry as a whole right now is um, you know, a little bit nerve wracking. There isn't as much money going into private companies. Uh, so I kind of wish I made this move a year earlier versus just a few months ago. It might have been a little bit easier. But overall, I am, you know, really happy with the the change I made. I, I really enjoy the people I work with at HiBio. Our CEO, I, I think is very easy to work with, really smart, really uh, engaging and has a very good view and and perspective on where the company should be going. I work really closely with our chief business officer, who I know from Gilead really well, and we always have worked really, really well together. And I'm actually really fortunate to be on a leadership team with uh, many other women. So Having those connections and creating those types of relationships in a new environment um, has been really rewarding. Thanks for that, Christina. The one thing that I take from that is not only are you an awesome lawyer, but also an awesome mother to your children, as well as a phenomenal citizen to be caring about these issues which are affecting our country these days. It just takes time maybe together. It's very nice of you to say I've worked full time ever since I've had my children. So I was in the, and so did my husband. So I was in the camp of my kids being, or my babies at that time being four, five, six months old and having to drop them off at daycare full time, starting at that age. And so I did have that motherly guilt associated with having, you know, having to leave my kids full time with, you know, in these at the time strange environments. And so I do have to say, you know, it's it's a lot to overcome that kind of inner critic at any given point in time, you're feeling like, 
you know, you're at work too much and I'm not being a good mom or, you know, you've got to leave work early or you've got to miss a call for an appointment. And then suddenly you feel like, oh, I'm not a good enough lawyer or I'm not a good enough employee because I have to go deal with my family life. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not immune to that. I've definitely had those feelings a lot over the years and it really does just kind of take time and experience and I think maybe some meditative thinking sometimes and deep breaths just to overcome that inner inner critic it's life's too short you sort of get to that I think age where you can suddenly realize that you know just rationalize all the things in your in your life and in your schedule and and find peace with that you're totally right. We tend to be our, our own biggest critics, and we tend to be pretty harsh on ourselves, even though to the outside world, uh, we're total rock stars. So um, I, I totally hear what you're saying. I think that's a good segue into my next question, which is what are the thing that you're most proud of in your career or otherwise to date? I think when I think of my my career, my early career, started out working at a law firm. I worked at Wilson Sonsini and I kind of was your typical junior associate and I built a lot of hours and I always wanted to be on the big complicated deals. And I, I found that to be very rewarding. I was just really into that type of work. I found it really interesting and I joined, I enjoyed every aspect of that. So it was really learning and being involved in these complicated transactions that kind of gave me that adrenaline rush and made me feel like, you know, just really proud of myself as a lawyer. As I look back, though, sort of more holistically, I would say that it is the setting up of um, Gilead's access program for HIV and hepatitis medicines when I when I actually initially joined that company. So I initially joined Gilead to support their international access program, which was focused on delivering HIV medicines into uh, the developing world. So Africa, Southeast Asia, and Latin America. So as part of that, we set up some generic licensing arrangements and that enabled manufacturers in India to manufacture cheap uh, drug to, to sell into the developing world. In addition, we set up uh, several offices in different countries of the developing world, as well as distribution arrangements. And so really it took several years to get everything all set up and interconnected and working in a way that was really successful and really ramped up the availability of life-saving medicines for people in these areas. And so given the nature of HIV and what that disease does to people and being able to provide or be a part of a system of providing a medicine that literally saves their lives in, in hindsight has, is very rewarding. I, I just can't imagine um, being involved in anything that is that impactful ever again, to be honest. <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. I'm also thinking of Gilead's role in the recent COVID crisis. It seems that Gilead played a pretty important role there, too. Mm -hmm. uh, what was it like to help lead that? That was um, a very intense time. So in February of 2020, we closed a pretty large M&A deal at Gilead that I was leading on the legal side. 
two days later, my boss at the time announced that he was leaving Gilead. I want to say a week after that, I was announced as his replacement. And a day after that, we were all sent home to work from home for the next, what we thought was probably going to be two or three weeks, but ended up being a year and a half. Um, So there was a lot going on. In addition, we had started working through uh, remdesivir and it's at the time, possibility in helping shorten and treat COVID. So I think the label ultimately was it shortens time in the hospital. And I think it's maybe been expanded since then. But there was a lot of work going on just even on the corporate legal side with respect to uh, getting agreements in place with governments for trials, um, working with our clinical teams and our clinical legal teams to set up different types of um, distributions of remdesivir to different parts of the country on sort of a compassionate use basis. In working with our regulatory teams, answering questions about contracts, we were also um, really involved with our research team and and getting involved in different types of consortiums for the treatment of COVID. And I want to say during that time, um, when we first were sent home for the first few months, my life pretty much revolved around remdesivir. Um, and that was also just a very exciting time. Um, it was really fulfilling to see so many different parts of Gilead's organization come together and work so closely despite being so physically far apart from one another and just kind of be able to adapt to and, and make sacrifices to get this medicine to patients as quickly as possible, again, to save lives. Um, people at that time were working, you know, across the company, really late hours and um, just really pushing to move things quickly just to make the therapy available to patients as quickly as possible. And just seeing the company come together like that and work so, so closely together was inspiring to me. That's incredible. The common theme that I'm hearing in your response is the importance of relationships. How do you think you build and maintain important relationships, um, either your personal network or within companies? Yeah, I have always thought that I was the person who was too busy to network um, and I was just going to get my job done and do a good job and get home and be with my family, but there was no time to go to this happy hour or that happy hour because, you know, it just wasn't important. I think I was pretty wrong about that. Uh, I think having a network is very important. And I don't think that you necessarily do have to go to a lot of conferences or happy hours or dinners in order to build that network. I think that you can build the network just in your day-to-day work um, and your day-to-day interactions with people. So, just maintaining relationships through law firms like, you know, Wilson, where I worked, or you, for example, working with you, you were secondee at Gilead, and you were amazing. We started working with ropes a lot. And now I feel like I have different contacts within the ropes family. And actually, now a ropes attorney is working at Gilead. So 
having those connections really play out in ways that you sometimes don't see in the moment. Um, I mentioned earlier our CBO at High Bio, Carl worked at Gilead, and he's ultimately the reason why I ended up at High Bio in the end. And even now, um, I still maintain very close contacts with my former colleagues at Gilead, former colleagues that I knew from Gilead that are now at other companies. And so what I thought was mainly an internal network at Gilead has turned into an external network. And I have found that when you develop those close relationships, you don't even necessarily need to have frequent discussions with with those people. Um, as I was thinking through the pros and cons of, of leaving Gilead to go to high bio, I reached out to a former mentor from my law firm days that I hadn't talked to in maybe close to 10 years. Um, and he was so readily available to talk um, talk out the the different opportunities and what might make sense and help provide me with guidance. So I found it's easier to maintain a network than I thought. I thought that, um, you know, you really had to kind of go out of your way and go to all these social events in order to have a network. And I've really found that it's possible and important um, to have a network and uh, not actually have to do too much outside of your normal day-to-day uh, work. That's good to hear. So I'm going to ask you a final question. You're a female GC of a biotech, which is a rarity in this industry. Uh, What advice would you give to other women or diverse candidates who are looking to follow in your footsteps? You know, I've been, you know, lucky enough to have a lot of strong uh, mentors and bosses and managers in my career, sort of every step of the way, which and who have given me a lot of confidence and reassurance in myself and my capabilities, overcoming that inner critic that we talked about before. Um, So I think it's just important to have that confidence, right? To know you can do it. As I moved into the GC role, there's a lot, as I mentioned, um, that is not my sort of bread and butter of work that I'm used to, right? Not in my my background and training, um, but just knowing I can learn, I can figure it out. Um, and I think anyone in, in my position um, or a similar position realizing you don't have to be the expert in everything in order to move to that sort of GC role or move to the next step or move to the you know next higher role with a broader scope um, because the learning will come the experience will come. Um, and like I said, just having kind of confidence in what you do know and how you approach the world and how you approach situations and problems is good enough to get you through it. I think another piece that's important or that I've realized has come to be important is written, maybe it's kind of passe at this point, but really is that kind of EQ, um, being able to sort of read people you you want to be confident and i know as the in a legal profession you need to be strong to guide your clients on on the best path a compliant path and a legal path but sometimes you can read people in a way to know how to approach that issue or maybe take a pause and come back to an issue 
because at the end of the day, I, I do like to be a business partner type of lawyer, not a, um, a slap your wrist type of lawyer. And I think the more you can be a business partner, the better you can serve your, your clients, whether you're in-house or external, because I do think that creates a relationship in an environment where your colleagues are more um, likely to come to you in advance of an issue or keep you updated or want to talk to you about things. So, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily advice, but that's just sort of how I've approached this, this job and being a GC. Those are some great pearls of wisdom. But what I really like about it is that it's really positive and encouraging for people looking to go into this field in the future. A lot of times it feels like you can't move from being a specialist to a generalist, but to know that someone was able to navigate that transition uh, well uh, gives a lot of hope for the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say, I know, and I don't know if it is being a woman, but a lot of times I think, oh, I couldn't possibly do that. I'm not the expert in this field or I didn't do, you know, corporate law. How could I possibly be a GC? Um, But I do think that's not a good mindset to have. I think that the skills we have as lawyers translate well to whichever area of problem solving um, and any type of issue that comes our way. To me, it seems like all the GCs out there, right? There's always some area where you're not an expert. Not every lawyer can be an expert in every area. So whether you're relying on um, some external help for corporate or for contract or compliance, you're not the only one, right? You're not the only GC in that position. And as I became GC, I did start reaching out to other GCs and having those types of conversations. And that has also been very reassuring. So I would say um, kind of to tie your last question with your second to last question in terms of networking, um, that becomes an avenue to provide some peace of mind as well. Wonderful. I think that wraps it up for today. Just wanted to thank you again, Christina, for coming on our podcast today to talk about your job and your career. Thanks, Georgina. It's been so great to be here and talk about this. And if there's anything else you have a follow-up question on, let me know. And I'm really happy to get a chance to speak with you again. It's been a while. Same as well. Thanks, Christina. Thank you. Georgina and Christina, thank you so much. As always, thank you to our listeners. For more information about Ropes and Gray's Women's Forum and our women attorneys, please visit ropesgray.com slash women. You can also subscribe to this series wherever you typically listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening.